Hi, I'm Jeff Davis from On the Wine Road. And I'm Lauren Mole from Judd's Napa Valley Show. And I'm Judd, and I'm a little confused at the moment. What's what's Whose show is this today? It, it, it's actually normally your show, Judd. I think this is my show, but wait, Jeff, is this your show? It's a dual broadcast. Yes, you're going to be on my show. But we're on my show. Perfect. Great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> it should be good. It's going to be great. And before we get to it, what do you think, Lauren? You got any words of wisdom? We invite you to join Judd and his family at the south end of Silverado Trail at the fabulous Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail here in Napa Valley, California, USA. That's right. We'd love to have you come by. Visiting information can be found at judshill.com. While you're there, you can take a look around. We've got some fun and quirky videos. We've got some wine-related poetry. We've got events. What else do we have? A lot of other cool stuff. We do. We've, we've got wine. I was going to say, wine? Come on, you have wine oh, over there? We've got wine. Thank you, Jeff. We've got wine. So I think, I mean, I'm, I think the wine's delicious. I would love for folks to try it out. And a special perk for being a listener. Type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please. No capitals. And you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. That's a deal. Wait, wait a minute. JNVS. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Okay. You got it. You got, got it. That's it right there. And for a better deal than that, Lauren, we can we can even do better. You can join our Judd's Hill Wine Club. It guarantees you not only selection of our delicious wines, it also guarantees you into all of our fabulous and sold out events throughout the year. That's like right. the Hanukkah Hootenanny. Like the Hanukkah right. Hootenanny. That's and the, it. And the best part of all, you can sign up anytime, day or night. You can do it online and we will look forward to seeing you at the winery. But now, let's enjoy today's show, whosever's it is. There's going to be a lot of talking. Well, I'm ready. Me, 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 me. <clears throat> so am I. <clears throat> Testing, one, two. Get ready for some Finkel fun. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show with vintner Judd Finkelstein. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Aloha. Welcome to the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. I take life with a grain of salt, a wedge of lime, and a shot of tequila. And now, coming to you from the exotic South Seas beauty of Napa Valley's most exclusive cocktail lounge, the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop, it's time for Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Navy Grog Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Finkelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. How, how are you? I'm well as well as I am anytime we're soaking in the mysterious and exotic South Seas beauty of the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Can hey. I pour you a drink? Uh, sure. Okay, what are you having? Do uh, you want one of your Navy Grogs? Uh, actually, how about some lemonade today instead? <laughs> okay, we'll get, uh, excuse me, uh, Miss Lemonade for Mr. Mole. Okay, yes. be right up. Okay. What's going on in your life? Well, uh, I had a nice Thanksgiving, as much as mostly everybody else did here in Napa Valley. Now, you were going to do some cooking. How did that go? 
It went perfectly well. We had my family over. Grandparents down from Lake Yamanor, my uncle down here from uh, San Pablo. And everybody got along. Everyone had a nice time. No family drama. It was one of those picture-perfect Thanksgivings? It was. Wonderful. As it is always every year. Of course. The Mole family does that. That's right. Good for you. Well, I'm glad you had a nice holiday. Oh, thanks. And uh, and uh, we're also I'm also going to be singing some uh, some Christmas songs with my friends from Napa Valley Voices uh, very soon, uh, on starting on December 3rd, led by the great Cindy Skinner. Oh, yeah. Where is that happening? Uh, it's going to be happening all around uh, uh, Na- Napa Valley. We're going to be uh, performing at, uh, uh, like, uh, at the Bel Air Plaza Shopping Center. We're going to be performing like uh, Cos Plus, uh, Orchard Hardware, and uh, another one of my favorite places over there, Copperfields. Yeah, I love the bookstore. Are you going to be there on specific dates and times that we should know about? Uh, We're going to be performing on a couple of of Saturdays. Okay, so just hang out on a Saturday in December and there's a good chance we'll see you? Uh, There is. I'm sure I'll see you. I'm there in that area often. Oh, good. Cool. Uh, So so how was your Thanksgiving, John? It was great. It was great. I, I, I do a bit of the cooking. I do the turkey. That's my thing. We have what's called a communal feast, which is a nicer way of saying a potluck. So everything gets brought in. Well, most everything, but I I promise. Here's what I promise. Okay. A nice place to do it. I actually clean up the house a bit and set the table. A turkey with some gravy and some delicious wine. And then everybody brings everything else, kind of fills in. And it's very festive and fun and food's always delicious. And I'm, I'm getting the knack. It's been a few years, but I, and I've never had a disaster yet, but I think I'm honing in on this turkey thing. It seems to get a little better every year. Okay. So I'm excited. I'm excited for next year. Oh, good. Yeah. Wanted to let you know, we've been talking about this on the, on the show. The Hanukkah Hootenanny at Judd's Hill is sold out to the general public. For this year. For this year. I don't know exactly when this show is going to air. It might have passed by the time this hits the air since we're pre-recording it in the grog shop. But I do want to let folks know, if you if you want in for next year or any of the fun Judd's Hill events, the sure ticket is to be a member of our wine club. And all that information is on our website, juddshill.com. It's free to join. And that guarantees you entrance. And oftentimes our events do sell out, but our wine club members always do get in. Well, that's great. Yeah, we're going to Alaska, too. We've talked about that. I'll talk about it again. Sure. If folks go to juddshill.com and click on the events tab, you'll see, well, all of our events, but also this trip to Alaska, which is taking off, let's see, June 30th through July 7th, 2017. We're leaving from Seattle and returning to Seattle, but we'll be heading up the uh, Inside Passage on Oceana Cruise Lines, which is one of those really nice classy cruise lines with great food. The executive culinary director is Jacques Pepin, the famed French chef. Oh, from PBS. You got it. That's the guy, man. He's awesome. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have excursions. We're going to have some wine seminars given by me, so I'll make sure that they're entertaining. We'll have a special wine-paired dinner, and uh, I will be your wine host for the cruise. So I'm, I'm hoping folks will, will join me. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, good. Yeah, we have a we have a an interesting show today. There, I, I like to think they're always interesting, but this one's a little bit different in format. Okay, and we have somebody sitting right here. And would you give him one of your signature Lauren Mole introductions? Uh, sure, Jack. Great. This guy knows his stuff, like what a barrel stave is. Those on this broadcast need credentials, and he previously gave his. He's the host of his own show. And golly gee, what do you know? Today, Judd's his guest. It's Jeff Davis. 
Hey, thank you. Jeff Davis, man. You are the host of On... On I'm, I'm knocking over stuff here in the Krog shop. You're it's safe, a beautiful Judge. spot, but it, it, it is a little tight. So It's all me. this alcohol you have in here. I know, and I have yet to start imbibing. Uh, that's the problem. You know, while you're getting Lauren's lemonade, could I get a... Just a just a plain you know daiquiri uh, straight up over here. Thanks. And a uh, sh shot of uh, dark rum from my coffee, please. Here you go. I've got that right here. So <laughs> oh. here, whatever you need. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Do you need some? You want something in there? I'm fine, thank you. Okay, Jeff Davis. We're starting to talk. You you're the host of On the Wine Road. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your show. Well, it uh, emanates from Santa Rosa on KSRO over there. And uh, broadcast, of course, throughout the area. Pretty good signal because it's AM. Yeah. As you know, that travels. I've, so you can get it all the way down as far as Berkeley. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way up to Hopland yeah. from the coast to uh, east of Napa. So it's a big signal. You get good coverage. And I certainly get over here quite a bit to Napa Valley. You know, I'm not uh, just limited to Sonoma. Right. So, uh, well, um, I listen, I've listened. I've, I know you hit some of our vintners over here, and I'm mm -hmm. honored that. This is how this came about. You gave a ring asking if uh, we could talk so I could be on your show and right. found out that I've got a show and said, well, why don't we just do a show together? But I think at this point, you're, you're going to be talking to me. I'll interview you for a little bit, and then you're going to interview me yeah. a little bit. So uh, this will be fun. How much ends up on my show? Who knows? <laughs> I might just go the whole hour. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm game. Whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to cut. You know, just do your thing. This is your to, show. Do I need to have a release to have Lauren be on my show? Lauren? I mean, he's a professional. Is it all right? Can you be on his show? Uh, sure. Why not? There oh, you go. Okay. You've been released. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Me show as Sue show. Let's, Splendid. let's have a show. Well, first of all, I want to ask the question. I have two questions. Hanukkah, Hoot, and Nanny. Do yeah. those two words go together? They they do. This is going to be our... <laughs> it always gets a laugh, for sure, but that's part of my whole thing. I like to make sure people are having a good time. And if I can make them smile or laugh right off the bat, you know, it's a good way to to let them know that everything's going to be okay. If they come hang out, they're just going to have some fun. Right. So this is our... <laughs> I think this is our second annual, 10th annual Hanukkah Nanny. Wow. And we might... Does that mean? And I think I've really got to do some better research because next year might be our third annual, 10th annual. No, last year we called it our 10th annual and I was doing a little looking back and I think it was actually our ninth. So I think this year is our 10th. So this okay. is, that's why I'm calling it our second annual, 10th annual. But it's a fun party. It's an event we have at the winery that benefits Community Health Initiative Napa County, which makes sure that all of the residents of Napa County have access to health care and health insurance. Mm. And it's fun. We have a band called Meshuggah Beach Party that comes and plays and... <laughs> There's, I mean, entertainment and wine and nosh and all that good. Now, stuff. is that your band? Because I know you play ukulele. It's not my band. It's a, it's, a, it's a kooky band. I encourage folks to look them up. Mashuga Beach Party. But I do. I play ukulele in a, in a group that we have called the Maikai Gents, and we do old time, uh, Hawaiian music called Hapa Haole style. Huh. So what came first, the ukulele or your tiki bar? Because they go well together. <laughs> yeah, you know, this particular space here came later, uh, but. But my interest in Hawaiiana goes way back to when I was about 12 years old. So mm. predated the ukulele. I didn't pick up an ukulele till I was 30. Oh, uh, yeah. And well, so, that's because you didn't want to be beat up when you were younger. Well, you know, <laughs> okay. yeah, I know it has this stigma as kind of this goofy, goofy instrument. But right now we're in this renaissance where it's, I mean, maybe I should, it feels weird if I say, but it's almost cool to play ukulele yeah, these days. Yeah. 
not that I'm cool, but I'm saying a lot of cool people are playing them. <laughs> and it's fun, though. It's one of those instruments that uh, when I picked up for the first time, out of necessity, all of a sudden, almost accidentally, this band formed doing old-time Hawaiian music, and somebody needed to wow. play ukulele. So I figured, I'll give it a shot. I can kind of yeah. strum on a guitar. Why not one of these? And I just loved it. It made me smile. It's got this mm. beautiful sound. Other people seem to enjoy it uh mm -hmm. smile when you're around it's very portable you can bring it around with you so oh I very just, easy to bring I, it around yeah fell in love great you gotta like when you pick up an instrument and a band just forms around you kind of kind of it was an accident we were I, I was having a luau for my own birthday this was at a tiki resort in palm springs and i thought i'd hired a ukulele player to come and perform but I found out a couple days ahead of time that he was going to be flaking on the gig. He, he got a better offer. <laughs> he was off to Japan to play at a theme park. Oh, well. And, yeah, and it was a good gig. I didn't blame him, but still, you know, that left me a little high and dry. So a buddy of mine who's a guitar player learned some of these old-time songs like Lovely Hula Hands, I Want to Go Back to My Little Grass Shack. And, you know, I've got a decent enough voice. I just kind of sang the tunes. You just went for it. We went for it, and our, our friends and family liked it, but they... They should. It's our friends and family. But the funny thing was, the resort asked us back. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta like that, because that there's your, well, your, your your the check off that you did a good job. You know. Yeah. So there's I mean, that's why I say accidentally formed because once they asked us back, like, oh well, we've got something going here. It was their whole theme for the resort, but nobody around was doing that type of old timey music. Hmm. So we found a bass player, a steel guitar player, and as I said, somebody needed to try playing ukulele. So I picked it up and I loved it. So when you say old time, is that like Don Ho or even prior to that era? Even prior, of course, you can't get away with playing in wine country without doing Tiny Bubbles. So that's our right. nod. Right. That's our nod to the great Don Ho. But most of the repertoire comes from the, I'd say, 30s and 40s with some even earlier stuff splashed in. Not much past the 50s, for sure. Mm. Uh, the whole vibe of the group is to give folks who see us a sense of what a floor show at one of those Waikiki resorts during maybe during the 50s would have been like that golden age of tourism mm -hmm. the songs are in English they evoke this romantic sense of old Hawaii a lot of them are really zippy some of them are ballady but it, it's fun mm -hmm. folks get engaged and just have a good time do you do, do you do that version of uh, somewhere over the rainbow because the song is yeah. from yeah, prior it goes to way that. back. Uh, not regularly. We what have a great done version. It, What's what uh, Israel Kamakaviva Ole? Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's not part of our regular repertoire. A couple times we've been hired for weddings and have been asked to do that, so we mm -hmm. we work it in. Great, great. Yeah. Let's talk about what you're doing here in Napa Valley. Okay. I'd like to start with your father because he kind of started the whole thing anyway, didn't he? He did. He did. He he was the the hobbyist winemaker making wine in the garage as an architect just looking looking to have a hobby it blossomed from there from just bubbling jugs and hand crank presses in a garage to mm -hmm. actually you know starting of a, a winery for real back in the 70s which was Whitehall Lane Winery I was amazed that that was the one reading about him yeah. before I got to that point that oh, yeah. it was Whitehall Lane it was like holy cow from a guy starting in a garage. Yeah. And interestingly that his name is Art. Yes. And he, and he is so artistic. Being an architect, uh, he was a ceramicist, a chef. That's correct. So All he right. had this artistic ability and turned it in and, and fell in love with winemaking for that same purpose that he could craft something. Yeah. And did apparently a fabulous job with it because 
Whitehall Lane became quite popular. It did. It did. And that's why we're at Judd's Hill today, because it almost got too popular for his liking. And I love that because he wanted to keep it handcrafted. Yes. And you do lose that when you grow and grow and you get to over 30,000 cases. You kind of lose that ability to maintain that handcrafted work. So he he just decided to get he he sold it, huh? Yeah, and and you kind of hit on it. He liked to be doing things with his hands, as you said. He liked to paint, do ceramics, cook, uh, make wine, um, build things as an architect and carpenter. So yeah, when it when it grew up to thirty thousand cases or so, he found himself more as a general manager than a yeah. hands-on winemaker. You get pulled in so many directions at that point, right? My uncle, who we were in business with, we I say we I was you know a little kid, but you know the family was on the road all the time to sell the wine, and neither of them were really enjoying life. The business was successful, but much to their credit, they chose to choose enjoyment of life, the lifestyle, mm-hmm. over, I guess, having the successful business. So they, yeah, they sold the winery. And uh, my uncle got into other things, kind of semi-retired. And, um, and then uh, our family started Judd's Hill. And it's been 27, almost 28 years. Yeah, 1989. Point. Yeah. So was that named after you? It was. You were the young child. So he, they, wanted to, he was going to have a new yeah. winery, so let's name <laughs> so, it after Judd. So where does the hill come into play? Well, the original property was in the hills of uh, Con Valley, east of St. Helena, and it was a very steep, terraced hillside. Mm. So there really was a hill. Okay. And the name Judd, it's my name. People ask me that all the time. You know, why is it Judd? Well, I think, you know, Finkelstein doesn't fit on a wine label. <laughs> <laughs> if it did, uh, it would just sound funny. You know, Finkelstein wine. And you'd think a blue nun or something like that. Maybe so. Well, yeah, kind of the, the, the flip of the coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I never got a straight answer from them, but I think it was their way to kind of uh, what's the word? indirectly pressure me into joining the business. You know, <laughs> yeah, That's a sly way to do it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, showing no interest on my part of being in the wine business. Well, it's not unusual, it. at least for a brand. You know, a lot of wineries will name certain brand a, a varietal after their children yeah no the, yeah no doubt you no see doubt. that often so yeah, well, yeah that's not terribly surprising that's and that's what they did and definitely it didn't work at first you know i was gonna say even and, with that pressure yeah. you left the area went to asu to study broadcasting <laughs> that's right and isn't it funny both you and i and i left broadcasting a number of years ago in arizona yeah in arizona as well oh. and it, it gets in your blood and it just never leaves, does it? I really enjoy it. I, you know, I got my first job in broadcasting at, uh, well, the radio station where I'm, we do this show, but that was back in 1980, it's either 88 or 89. And I was in high school and I, I was doing Sunday nights, terrified at first, but I wasn't sure. going to give up the opportunity. And that kind of fell into that too. They hired me to, to, um, play I just asked if I could have a job you know it just sounded fun and they hired me to play the Lauren can you give me a little Casey Kasem top 40 America's top 40 intro I'm Casey Kasem and the countdown continues thank you very much I was playing the Casey Kasem top 40 at 6 a.m. Sunday mornings hey I did that that too oh high five really Uh uh-huh oh yeah so came on vinyl records right I mean was that the case for you of course yeah yeah. because I started in well I started in 78 
Okay. Thanks. So, um, wow. I think I was doing Casey. I don't know if he was around at that point, but yeah, that was, you know, that's where the, the young part-timers always start <laughs> is on the, uh, the pre-recorded programming. Yep. 6 a.m. Sunday morning. And I didn't say anything. It didn't touch the microphone. I just dropped the needle on the record. And then when it got to the end of the record, I'd play a commercial, then flip it over, mm-hmm. come back from commercial, drop the yeah. needle again. Okay. I got to ask you this. Yeah. Did you ever fall asleep before the record ended? No, no. Did did that happen? That to happened you? to me once. Oh, what happened? Did it just uh, dead air? Or did you know, it because I or? was I was a young, fun-loving guy, so I was out <laughs> late the night before, and uh, I just put my head down for a minute because you had plenty of time. Right. And then the next thing I knew, the guy from the AM station shaking me, going, "Hey, your record's over." <laughs> I looked over, and it's like. And there were some people who had been up since the night before doing some substances who were really grooving on that, probably. Maybe. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's really neat. What <laughs> yeah. is that sound? <laughs> it's the deserts talking to me. It's got a beat. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I, I was there one week doing that. Oh. And then by the next Sunday, I got a call from the program director saying, uh, so-and-so, I forgot who it was, but Sunday nights quit. Can oh, you do that? Like that? So they shifted me 12 hours from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sundays. And I did that for some time, more than a year. Sunday nights, 6 to 9 on the Vine and every Sunday night, blah, blah, blah. Good for you. How old were you then? That was, that was high school. That was said? high school, junior, senior in high school. Yeah, wow. And I would do my homework. The music didn't really interest me because it was kind of this adult-oriented rock, kind of easy rock mm. stuff they were playing at that time. And, you know, it didn't interest me hardly. So I would do my homework and just have fun being on the radio it wasn't very good at doing bits or anything like that but uh, it's kind of fun folks would come in usually I was the only one in the station but uh, once in a while someone would come in to take care of some business and they'd see me and they're like you're Judd there's this you know kid with braces because I I had a deep voice early you know I sang bass in the choir and all that and they they couldn't believe it they thought I was some you know 40 year old guy Mm -hmm. well you know 20 something years later I am and uh, they they hired me back. Huh, that's great. <laughs> I must must have impressed them twenty something years ago. They they brought me back. <laughs> but so <laughs> you, you loved it so much, you went off to get a, a degree. Yeah, exactly. It, and, um, yeah, television production, and then worked in film for some time. So, at what point did you? I imagine you came back after you graduated. Did you decide that you are going to get back into the family business? I didn't come back right after graduation. Oh, no. I, I, I left the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Telecommunication at Arizona State University with my degree in television production, but also having worked at KASR, the college radio station, which was a blast. Oh, yeah. And I, I moved to Los Angeles because where do you go with a television oh, well. degree, you know? And got into the film business, which I worked in for quite a few years until I just... Couldn't do it anymore. My my skin wasn't thick enough. I didn't have the right attitude, whatever it was. I enjoyed the creative aspect of that. Right. But the overall, how should I put it diplomatically, uh, the overall attitude of the industry didn't really fit me. Mm. You know, there's right. the, the, the egos. And I'm, I'm painting broad strokes here. I mean, of course, not everybody's like this, but uh, sure. enough that it, it really tainted my my vision and feeling about it, but uh, people would rather give you a kick in the rear than a helping hand a lot of the time. Mm. And I, you know, I realized it's not for me. I, I didn't want to be around it. I didn't want to become it. I stayed in Los Angeles, though. I was enjoying my time there, and but I didn't know what to do. So, you know, I I did quit. I had never quit from a production, and and my last production was just so miserable. And I that made it I easier. Just, I quit mid 
mid movie production and like, well, what do I do now though? I didn't really have a plan. So I looked around and I got a job as a wine specialist because that's what I knew uh, at the Whole Foods Market in Brentwood Hmm. and worked there selling wine for not that long. Actually, I liked the job, but I realized, hey, if I'm going to be selling wine, I probably should do it for the family business. And then they got me. After all that time, I finally joined the family business. And what year was that? That would have been 1998. Okay. So it had been going about almost 10 years. I had been, exactly. Yeah, it had been, uh, yeah, over eight years anyway before I got back in. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, in all my interviews, when I talk with uh, people who are well ingrained in the business, you know, often they are the children of families that had a winery prior. Mm-hmm. And many will leave, go off, go to college, try other things, but so many of them come back. And at least if there's, say, there's three kids from that family, at least one of them will come back, sometimes two. And often one will continue to do something unrelated to the wine industry, but I'm amazed at how often many have left and come back. There's an allure, which I think many of us don't appreciate or don't feel, I should put it that way, having grown up here. And it really takes getting away. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you that if you're around something your folks do. It's not that appealing to do the same thing your folks did. Yeah, yeah. Even though they, they really enjoyed it and you could see that, I just had this idea. I wanted to do something uh, still creative, but something else. But I'll tell you, that time working down south in the film industry just gave me a whole new appreciation for the wine business. And I'm, I'm glad I came back. It's not an easy business by any means. And I'm probably working harder now than I ever did, even being a a lowly production assistant where they really work it. Right. I think the wine business is way harder than that even. But I wouldn't change it. It's just nice to be... Well, when it's your own business, you don't mind working Well, hard. that's true. There's a lot of that. You take pride in what you do and you want to make it the best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I do. I mean, I take pride in it. Great. Try to make it the best I possibly can. Not only make delicious wine, but give a great customer experience you know our hospitality program is well known at Judd's Hill folks right you now we guarantee a good time come on down and see me no no that's one of my before I get to that I yeah. want to ask uh, but your father passed away unfortunately yeah he must yeah. have been st- still fairly young huh? fairly young he was uh, just over 68 years old so not that old in the scheme of things and to um, honor his desire to keep production small, you still maintain a level of just 3,000 cases or so. That's true. Under our Judd's Hill label, we do make a little bit more wine, custom wine. We have our, what's called our custom micro crush service. So we do, we make more than 3,000 cases a year, but it's 3,000 go under the Judd's Hill label Mm -hmm. and then more for custom folks. Folks can come to us. Others, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll make a barrel of wine. We can make five barrels, 10 barrels, whatever it is, but starts at one barrel. Folks either bring us their own grapes or we go out and find grapes. Whoever wants wine made, we can just make it And that's it unusual because there are these custom crush facilities where uh, winemakers that don't have the production facility can bring their grapes in, make the wine, or at least uh, crush it, store it, and then yeah. make their wine either there at their storage facility or elsewhere. Uh, but that's still a higher level of production for, for those people. Many of those have vineyards already. Right. But you're talking about guys that 
much like her father, micro, were yeah, really yeah. small and making it out of their garage, and they want to get some grapes. So you help them. Uh, that, that's that absolutely point. true. Most of those places you're talking about have uh, very high minimums. You know, multi tons worth of grapes they want to start with. You know, we'll start with half a ton, and it started really with a couple of vineyard owner buddies of my dad's who were both complaining to him. One wasn't selling his grapes. You know, couldn't find any buyers. And he knew the quality was good, but just couldn't make mm-hmm. the connections or whatever it was. And the other didn't think he was getting a fair price for the quality of the grapes. Uh-huh. So the idea, how it was born, my, my father said to them, why don't you each bring me this year uh, half a ton? Let me make a barrel of wine for you. And is that what that breaks down? I can't remember. Half, a, half a, ton a ton is about, about, a, barrel. A, about, about a barrel, yeah. About 288 bottles, more or less. With that wine they would then have a marketing tool for their grapes. You know, sure. uh, take a couple of years, but then they would have it and they could take it around and show it off and say, taste this. Isn't this fabulous? This came from my fruit. You should buy this your, fruit. Your name could be on the bottle. Yeah, you, exactly. Or isn't this so good? Don't you think I deserve a little more for this fruit? And it was it was quite successful for Great. them. And then the, the business grew. And you talk about your experiences there, and I'm amazed that uh, not only do you offer a wine and food pairing like many do now, and it's nice that they offer these experiences, but you take it further. You educate your customers yeah. with the flavors of the wine and the food that it's, it's pairing with, and in that way, they can take away that knowledge and go home and, and enhance their uh, their own pairings. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly the goal of, uh, we call it our wine and food in balance seminar. And it's not necessarily a wine and food pairing. It's more of a wine and food flavor pairing you don't mm. we don't give you lunch or anything like that but you have a little right plate more of an ingredient has, related thing than exactly there there are elements on this plate that are salty sweet spicy sour and you have little tastes and you see how those tastes affect your perception of the wine mm-hmm. and through the course of this seminar it's really fun i love sitting in on it and I learn something every time myself. It's, it's great. It, 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 it encourages people not only to drink wine with, with food, but to, but to understand it and be able to teach their friends, you know, if you're serving this type of food and the wine, there's something odd, you're not really enjoying the pairing. Well, wait, there's actually some really quick and easy fixes you could do. If you just mm. sprinkle a little salt on this dish, it's going to change, you know, your perception of the tannins in the wine. And if, if that's what's offending you at the moment, you know, right. it's going to soften up the wine or so on and so on. It gives you all these ideas of what to do and how to make wine and food work well together. And what's so interesting about that is I did the same sort of thing in a wine certification course I ah. took, you know, and what's neat about that pairing, like you said, they're just small samples, but mm-hmm. they're extreme samples. Oh, you yeah. Know, lemon and, yes. you know, and salt. That's and, what we have. And some, like honey, you know, or yeah. things that are really are sharp in what their flavor profile is. Yeah. And you compare that with wine and you really notice the difference. It, it It's cool. I, as I said, I sit in from time to time and I learn something, you know. And I'm actually, I'd like to go over and try that myself to well, see how you guys do it. Let's do it. Let's set that up. All right. And then you have your blending seminars, which Again, other people do that, other wineries. Um, but you take that to a higher level as well, allowing people to do it either at the winery yeah. or off-site or right. at home. Yeah, and you offer them, you give them all the <laughs> elements they need to do it yeah. on their own. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing that for some time. I, mean, I like to think we were among the, I don't know, it's a big word, but like the, the pioneers of the 
you know, do-it-yourself blending. Mm -hmm. But it was something that had been requested from our custom winemaking clients years and years back. They had um, asked, you know, this is really fun. We're making our own wine. Can we, I'd like to do this for some friends, not on such a big scale, but, you know, maybe we can just taste some wines out of barrel and put something together. And we, we put together our bottle blending day camp. It's been several years. A day camp. That, well, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fun camp, doesn't it, Lauren? Well, exactly. fun. You said it. I think the first suggestion was a bottle blending boot camp. I thought that sounds sounds too harsh. That sounds like a chore. You know, boot camp, has anybody ever said boot camp is fun? I don't well, know. Well, and so many ladies in wine country want to wear heels or nice shoes. So yeah. talking about boots just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I saw a full metal jacket. That does not look <laughs> like a fun yeah. experience. So we'll call it day camp. You know, that's fun. You go for a day. Yeah, It's a couple hours, really. But we sit down. We have Bordeaux varieties right out of the barrel. And we talk about them. You taste them on their own. We blend them together till, you know, if you're the one there, uh, you, you find something that you just love. Then we go into the cellar, put it all together with the mm. proportions that you've come up with, mm. bottle it right there, put your own label on it right there, and you take it home. Sweet. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. I saw that you have different levels, too. Do you start yeah. with one, one bottle? Uh, four bottles is the four minimum. Four is the minimum. Four is the minimum, and then it goes up to however much you want. A case, a couple cases. Some people do it for weddings or on honeymoons as the first thing the couple does together. And they'll often not time honeymooners will get a case that way. Every year on their anniversary, they'll open for 12 years anyway. You know, they'll right. open up a bottle and see how it's doing. And um, with Bordeaux varieties, most likely it'll be holding up on. quite well. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. and how neat to watch it change over the years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I even get notes from time to time from folks who've done it several years saying, you know, it was our anniversary. We opened it up. It's delicious. Some folks have even gotten so excited that they, they ask if they can do a whole barrel. Wow. Um, we can do that too. So yeah. There's 24 cases. So I'm You'll saying. gladly take their money for that. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it is a business, but uh, I do. I, I just want wine to be accessible to people. It shouldn't sure. stand up yeah. on a pedestal. And if, if this gets them excited and will get them sharing it with their friends well, and how talking that, about yeah, it. The general public can have their own barrel yeah. of, of their own wine. It's, it's something folks get into. Yeah, well, that's great. I think you guys are doing an excellent job over there. And, yeah, and while you're doing all that, you're very conscious about the environment and you're very green. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to be these days. So yes, we are certified the uh, Napa Green Business Certified Business. Is yeah, what we are. I've seen that term yeah. before. And it's kind of strange. Yeah, but, uh, and and uh, what that means is, yeah, folks from the different county agencies come out and checklist and make sure that you know we're running efficiently and we're not using certain chemicals or storing things certain ways, and we use. Uh, We've got a recycling and composting program for nice. pretty much everything we, that comes through our place. Uh, solar lighting. We use solar lighting, exactly. Solar tubes. So as long as the sun's out or it's not you know, dark and stormy, even on an overcast day, we can still have a lit cellar uh, without turning on any lights. That's great. It is pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice to have that um, option for uh, companies to be able to tap into that and utilize mm -hmm. it and more and more are doing so. You know what? I think it, it it's it's good for the environment and it's good for business. And more and more people are keyed into that. You know, having solar lighting I mean, saves us money. We're not even having to turn the lights on. So you know, our our, uh, our bookkeeper likes that. <laughs> right. Yeah, likes being green. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I should ask uh, about your varietals. Tell me about yeah. uh, what you bottle. Quite a bit, actually, and that's part of what I enjoy of 
our business is we 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 dabble as mm-hmm. it were in lots of different varieties you know our flagship is our cabernet sauvignon surprise surprise mm-hmm. you know napa valley has been our flagship since 1989 and before that whitehall lane and we make a few different cabs our napa cab we have our reserve cabernet which is called founders art so getting back to oh, my father great. whose name was art and our founder, so our founder's art, and he was very artistic. Mm-hmm. So we think of wine as an art. So there's art in the bottle. And then each vintage features a different one of his paintings as the label. So oh, there's art perfect. on the label as well. So we have our Cabernet Sauvignons. We make, boy, let's see. On the white side, we'll do a little Chardonnay. We have a vineyard out in Carneros. We make a bit of Chardonnay. Good spot. A Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. From time to time, and this is what I like. Some, some things we... Because of our custom micro-crush business, we find these little vineyard spots where people bring us their grapes. And oftentimes, you know, I really like the wine that comes out of them. So I'll say, hey, mm. can we buy a little bit of this fruit and make something? So we do these very small lots, you know, one, two, three, four barrel lots, mm. which we do a little bit of Viognier, which is kind of fun. Uh, and it's really so small your portfolio production. is always changing. It's changing huh? a little bit. You know, we have a vineyard in Carneros for Pinot Noir. So we have a Carneros Pinot Noir. We've been making a little Charbonneau, which is fun. Uh, An old right. vine Zinfandel, Love that. which goes great with barbecue. What else do we have? Uh, Petite Syrah, which I just love. It surprises me all the time with the, the types of food you can pair with this Petite Syrah. And you know what's interesting about that variety is that um, as I talk with people over the years, and that's a pretty bold wine, Petite Syrah. It yeah, can, yeah, it yeah. can be, but women seem to be really gravitate to that variety for some reason. Great. It's one of my wife's favorites. Wonderful. Well, I, yeah. I like strong women who like strong wine. Why not? And and strong men. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> with, with strong voices. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Yes, I, what I would say is anybody who comes to visit, we're going to have a nice variety of wines to taste. And it changes since there's small production you know, a couple barrels worth, our menu selection, it's, it, I, I was about to say changes seasonally, but sometimes it's more often than that. So wow. I would encourage so people back. to keep coming back. Yeah. Exactly. Come back, you know, every four, six weeks, we'll probably have something new for you to try. Ah, excellent. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm proud of what the business has become. It really started as quite literally a mom and pop business my folks making wine and you know someone bought wine it was great the money went in the cigar box and if there was money at the end of the year in the cigar box it was a good year that's how many start yeah yeah nowadays it's a little more streamlined and i give credit to uh first of all my wife who's the mba in the family and joined oh, need- joined up a dozen years ago and took a look around and said really <laughs> this is how you're operating and i mean she was she was important role for she sure she was kind about it but she gently guided us towards uh some more sophisticated that's, business that's uh, systems and thought processes actually thinking about uh, you know little things like you know costs you know how much does it cost to make the wine we're doing so should we price it accordingly you know these types of things which huh. you know, like, you know well, i don't know, I I know. my folks are 25 like, was a good price exactly i don't exactly, know why exactly i always joke if my father were around uh he'd probably pull in so we've got about a dozen people at the winery mm. we've got uh you know hospitality staff and production crew and we have a general manager uh it's about a dozen people there. Um, I just, I, I always think he would 
drive up and look around and say, who are all these people? Hmm. You know, because it, it was so far from what had been. I mean, he saw it get to that point. We certainly did a Whitehall Lane, so he, oh, under, yeah, he understands yeah. the need for a good support staff. For sure, for sure. But, you know, the new project was just supposed to be, you know, he and my mom making wine up on the hill doing their little project. Mm. But he, he he embraced it. And in fact, he, uh, in the last couple of years, something I never thought I would see, because he absolutely hated working in the tasting room at Whitehall Lane. Mm. And I even told this story at his memorial. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell it here, but it ended with a with an inappropriate word. And anyway, <laughs> so he he was excused from duty uh, from working at the tasting room anymore because he was a sensitive artistic type, you know, and yeah, people well, making comments about your wine all day. It wasn't oh, sure. But of his own volition, he would come in even not feeling that well, you know, and he would just sit in the tasting room and chat people up as they tasted oh, the wine and seemed to enjoy the experience, which was about a 180 degree shift from, you know, 20 years previous. And uh, I think he really enjoyed the place that the winery had gotten to, let me right. put it that way. And well, I was I reveling I, in it. I think every winery owner and winemaker likes seeing people enjoy their product. Well, there's no doubt about that. There's yeah. no doubt, doubt about that. That's that's satisfying. I mean, I certainly enjoy that. That that to me makes it all worth it. I mean, certainly it is a business. We're here to, you know, make something, put a college fund together for my kids, but you know, that that satisfies me on one end, but really where my soul gets fulfilled is if when I sit in the tasting room and I'm talking to people and I see that all this hard work and stress and you know I'm sure a lot of your listeners know it's just it's not as romantic as the movies make it out to be in the wine business it's tough stuff don't Uh, let out the secret okay sorry you can edit that part out but uh, it can be you know sweaty nasty work manual labor and stressing about business and all this stuff but but sitting there and being able to enjoy someone's company as they're enjoying your wine and more often than not I'm having a little with them and it's just it's just such a heartwarming feeling I know that sounds corny but it it's absolutely sincere and it it makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing Mm -hmm. career-wise because it just well I wish I had a more eloquent way to put it but it just makes me feel good yeah and I'm sure your father is very proud of you hope so I think I think uh I think he was, again, I think he was pleased with um, the direction that the winery was heading in and where it had come from those early days. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's what was still his, a small family business, and we're, what was we're working when, at it. When you said, okay, I'm coming back, was he? Was there an, an obvious overjoy? Yeah, they, like, were, oh, they, were pretty, they were pretty happy. They were pretty happy until they saw how effective I was out in the market selling. And then it was like, maybe we should look for a broker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much effective of a salesman. Or ineffective. Yeah, Jeff, I'm not much of a salesman. I, I'm I'm very good at going out and you know, if meeting you were, people and saying hi. If and, you were, you wouldn't have been on the production end. That's, that's right. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, in radio, I could yeah. never be on, in the sales side. I was always better in the programming side. Oh, that That's me. So I would make friends with all these wine buyers. And, and yeah, we did get placements uh, around Southern California at restaurants. But I know we could have been a lot more prominent in the marketplace, as they say, mm. had I actually had sales skills, you know. Oh, yeah. Stick yeah. them in the cellar. Yeah. We'll do some good work down yeah. there. Yeah. You know, they, they bought just because they liked me. It wasn't because I was 
making deals or working angles or anything like that. So I don't know. I, I think about that sometimes. You know, I wish I was a little uh, better at that side of it. Well, you know, you're uh, running the winery, so <laughs> running yeah. a winery. Wow. Uh, what else? I mean, it's enough about me, isn't it? <laughs> How much time do we have? I don't know. We've got about twenty minutes. Or were so. we supposed to stop for a commercial break somewhere along? Oh the way? yeah, we were. We're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna plop it in somewhere. It's gonna be one of those where it's forty minutes of talk and twenty minutes of commercials. But but I, you know, you're sitting here, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a guy who's got a a radio show uh, here in wine country. He gets out, he meets people all the time and I kind of want to hear some of your stories how did you get from Arizona radio to having a wine related radio show I think that's kind of a cool transition how did it happen it was and and totally unexpected because uh, what I was doing I was even though I was on the air for a long time in in music radio uh, my real talent was writing and producing commercials Mm. so I was the station production director and production manager and and helped produce commercials and get them on the air. Uh, that was my ma- main job for many, many years. And took that outside of radio. I finally left radio, did some advertising, was creative director at a couple of advertising agencies mm. for a while. And that's when I thought radio's behind me. Uh-huh. Then I got hooked up with these, uh, this guy who contracted with CBS Radio. He had a company called Cash by Creative. And they were looking for talented producers because they were doing commercials f- for all of the CBS stations around the country. So all the top major markets. So I got hooked up with them and was doing commercials for New York, L.A., San Francisco. And are you just writing them at this point? Or are you recording yeah, everything? Your, your voice as well? I mean, you've Me got or, yeah, somebody else. Um, yeah, you know, all kinds of different commercials so, or styles, you know, multiple voices, what have, what oh, have yeah? you, whatever was necessary. Uh, and I enjoyed doing that, and that allowed me, I was making enough money that we could move anywhere. Oh. And I'm from the Midwest. My wife is from the, the East Coast. Where'd you grow up? St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis County. Did you have, growing up, did you have, uh, was your family in the business of broadcasting or advertising? No. Or that's something you got into yeah. totally on your own? You know, my, my family had a business. My grandfather and his cousin had a flooring business. Ah. Uh, not as exciting as the wine business. Well, I don't know. You know <laughs> I think people have a lot of uh, perceptions about the wine business, which aren't true. I probably have a lot of perceptions about the flooring business. Which, right. Maybe it's right. maybe it's just a party all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they did some unique neat things and got me on basketball courts and oh, baseball cool. oh, uh, yeah, see? Uh, stadiums. You know, they, they put in some of that early AstroTurf. Remember those days? Oh, wow. Um, back in the mid-70s. But um by the time I was ready to do something, there was he was starting to close down. My dad wasn't really going to pursue it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I had the same voice like you at like <laughs> fifteen. <laughs> you got it this early. This voice, yeah. And uh, and I loved music, so I wasn't really sure. I wasn't a. I didn't really care for school that much. Uh, I was that creative kind of guy that would be looking out the window during class, you know. So, yeah. college didn't seem like the thing for me. Mm. Uh, and then we had, we had a very good broadcasting school in St. Louis. So I went to the broadcast center of St. Louis and uh, learned there. And in the meantime, my family joined my uncle in a business in Tucson. And so when I graduated, I went out to Arizona. Mm -hmm. But after being there off and on for 30 years, I got tired of the desert and used to go to San Diego a lot. Oh yeah. A lot of just a six hour drive. Yeah. A lot of Arizonans head out to the coast. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just fell in love with all the foliage again. And, And then when my wife and I came up here yeah. on a couple of vacations. Because as oh. you were saying earlier, you could really live anywhere and right. do the work you were doing. So okay. my wife and I came here a couple of times and just the sea of green, 
you know, the sea of vineyards yeah. was just yeah. amazing to me. And I just, I fell in love with it and the lifestyle here. And so, and she, at that time she was a marketing and PR person at, a, at the Tucson Museum of Art. Oh, wow. Like their marketing PR manager. Very uh, cool. Her name is Meredith. I should mention my wife's name. She is. Yeah. So we figured she could take that talent and that experience mm-hmm. and, and transfer it to the wine industry. You know, you have a product, you're just trying to market it and promote it. Yep. Uh, so we took the step and, uh, yeah, I moved. We moved here. I was working out of my home studio and uh, it took her a little while to get in because it is a tight business, the wine industry. But uh, she got a part-time gig at Num, uh, Mum. Uh, actually, it was uh, not part-time. It was um, she was a, a temp. Okay. And got hired on as a temp person, and they ended up hiring her full time. Oh, good. And that's what started it. And then she got into treasury, and now she's a Gloria Ferrer. Oh yeah, nice. And, you know, the wine club she and knows uh, direct the, uh, to consumer manager. She knows the uh, sparkling uh, wine biz. Yes, she does very well, and then loves sparkling wine. She, she might <laughs> even know our. Uh, wine club and direct to consumer manager who came from Gloria. She Ferrer. does. Yeah. She okay. Yeah. So we'll, she said to let you know that she says hello. Okay. I'll <laughs> pass along the, uh, the the greetings. That's cool. Small world, as you said, a tight business. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to wrap yeah. It up. Um, yeah. So the, so the show. I was, I was getting. It was a twelve-hour day working for this company. Mm. You know, which was fine for a little while, but I was burning out. You know, writing commercials. It's, it's a constant creative struggle to uh. be clever and uh and i enjoy it but 12 hours a day for three years was was getting to me and uh i ended up hooking up with a local radio group the amateur sonoma media company uh-huh. and we're, that's broadcasting this right now on on our side in santa rosa so i do commercials for them and during that process i had a couple of interviews with a wine with some winemakers uh, as a project a friend was mine was working on mm-hmm. and they were just like five, seven minutes long, and uh, just like th- I had three of them, I think. And I gave them to the general manager, who was also uh, the president of the company, and I said, what do you think of these? Can you use these somewhere on one of your stations or something? And he just loved them, because I put music oh, to it. You know, I produced them up a little bit, and, and he's like, well, we should give you a show. <laughs> just like, like that. Oh. Uh, Love it. You I didn't know you were auditioning. Uh, no, I did not, yeah. and uh, I got a show. And uh, I thought I was hoping it was going to be 30 minutes because um, an hour long. I'm not normally a conversationalist. Uh, I, I, you know, I totally respect these guys who can do talk shows and, and be on for hours. Mm. That t- that's an amazing talent. That's hard to be able to do that. And I, because of that, I was f- very fearful of being stuck in the studio and not having a guest show up. Uh, yeah. And having to rely on my own talents to talk for an hour or, you know, 40 minutes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's tough. I mean, I enjoy talking to people and having a conversation, but you're right. Just right. To, if a guest didn't show up, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. I'd be reading from magazines and newspapers. You know? Right. Well, here's an interesting article. Let me, let me read this to you. <laughs> you know? Well, it happened recently. We, we knew the, the night before it was going to happen. So what we did was we queued up a bunch of music of past guests and reminisced about having them on the show and then playing some tracks. But anyway, so you got this So my idea was, I think what I'll do, because I'm a producer in a sense, I'll go interview them on their turf and produce the show and then just send them the files and they can air it on Saturday at 1 p.m. on KSRO, 1350 a.m. Wonderful. (laughs) How long has that been going on? Uh, I'm now in my third year. Third year. Congratulations. You know, and a part of that was, 
I don't want to waste a you know few hours on a Saturday being stuck in the studio. Mm-hmm. I'll go drive around. Now I'm spending 20 hours a week driving, <laughs> driving. around <laughs> and producing. So but your weekend's free. But my weekend, <laughs> unless I'm doing an interview. Yeah. But you know what? It's I love it. It's very fun. That's great. And it's nice. And people appreciate you coming to them. You know, you wouldn't have as much fun if you were sitting in a studio with me right now. Well, you I might, more than others. I, might, I enjoy it, but th- th- that's that's a big reason that I enjoy doing the shows from this space right here. It's, I think it's less intimidating than a studio. I mean, sure, there's a microphone in front of you, but I don't know. You're in we, this kind of artistic, yeah, exotic surrounding. And tiki lamps and uh, scantily clad women, doll women. <laughs> there's um, all kinds of stuff here, right? Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah. There's Hulu go- girls. There's booze if you want it. Uh, which, by the way, how's that coffee Sur- treat Service here is bad. I haven't yeah. gotten my rum and, co- <laughs> rum and coffee yet. What's going Where's on that? here? Where's here. that waitress? Where's I she still going? haven't gotten my lemonade yet. Oh What's my going gosh. on? I'm going to have to have a, a talk with management. I can get you something. There's some bottles right here. You don't have portholes. There. Here's got something. it like that. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, you, know, you can peer out and see who's coming Yes, in. it's a fine space. So good job there. I'm glad you're able to make it in. But yeah, I, it's, it's a, I, I love the passion in this business, mm. and it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. It does. It's, it's Sometimes it, 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 it's suitable, though. It's almost always suitable. Everybody yeah. I meet is just, they're, they're like your father. They're artists, and they love creating the art and watching people enjoy their art. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's, I think, what drew him to the business originally as well was the, that Oh, I'm going to say it. It's the word. It's like one of my pet peeves. I see it more in marketing material. If I see written passion, mm-hmm. I get, ugh. But, but spoken, yeah. it doesn't get me. But it was the passion to be creative, to let an artistic side come out doing something he liked. And, mm-hmm. and wine afforded that opportunity. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. I'm glad you're up here. And I'm glad you're spreading the passion of others through your show as well. Yeah. Thank you. And you as well. Making wine accessible and interesting and dare I say, fun for, Yes, for, for everyone. It's not snooty and pompous no. like, like some people I mean, fear. Most of the time, if you get to know the people behind it, it opens it up. You know, you can connect on another level. It's, you realize it's, they're it's just the, people. It's the tasting room people that bring on the snootiness sometimes. Not at Judd's Hill, by the no, way. No, of course not. Absolutely not. No, no. I've, I, we, have a, we have an audition in order to work at our place. Oh, like, cool. I got to know what your whole personality is like because oh. I do not tolerate snooty. Good. No, it's all about making it enjoyable, comfortable, and um, memorable. Awesome. I'm looking forward to going over and experiencing it. We're going to set it up. I want to thank you. I really appreciate you reaching out. This is very cool. It is. It was very fun. A totally unique experience for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm doing my show, but I'm on your show. Yeah. How weird is that? How We're not going to like somehow meld and... Is that what they call meta? I don't know. Is oh. that meta? I don't know. I hear that phrase, but I don't know what it means. Feels like I'm stuck in the twilight zone here. <laughs> that is. There you go. <laughs> ah, and now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Mad Libs. That's right, Jeff. <laughs> I think you know what's about to happen here. Am I on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? <laughs> I love that show. Uh, let's... I'm going to give them a call. Gonna, you should. I want to get. I want to be a contestant on that show. That is a fun show. It always makes me feel good. There's a vibe on that show that's oh, just yeah, goofy, yeah. silly. They can take the most serious of current events and somehow just make me feel better about life through their humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very talented. I've, I, com- I commend them most highly. Okay, but now we're playing 
Mad Libs on Judd's Napa Valley Show. You know how this works. It's a fill-in-the-blank word game. I need a verb. A verb. Uh, a like, verb. And we always want fun words. So, um, yeah. How about stumbled? Stumbled. Okay. How about a geographic location? Hmm. Uh, I almost feel like I should tie it into the theme here. So, um, you know, island. The, uh, how about top of the volcano? Ah. Ah. Top. Neat. That's a of rare spot. The top of the volcano. A plural noun. More than one thing. <laughs> how about a, uh, here's a nod to Monty Python. How mm. about albatrosses? <laughs> albatross, yes. Albatrosses. Is it it's albatrossi or albatrosses? Alba, 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 <laughs> albatry? I don't know. But I'll, I'll be trying to read my own handwriting. Uh, okay, an adjective. <laughs> oh, thank you. A descriptor. Uh, descriptor. Um, um, ribbed. There's an odd word for you. That is, but there it is. And finally, another adjective. This is a short one for you. Lacy. Lacy. Ribbed and lacy. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Almost sounds like a tough guy in a dress, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, how you doing? (laughs) You got to uh, subscribe to the webcam to find out about that. Okay, earlier today, I went online to your website, Jeff, on the wine road dot us and i clicked on about mm-hmm. where you have written a short blurb about the show okay and and you've now just rewritten that short blurb oh, about the show and this is in your voice by the way are you ready sure <clears throat> from on the wine road dot us so folks can go and actually read the real blurb after this and dot com we... as well oh and dot com yeah Oh, okay, good to know. I, I thought that was interesting. It was .us, but okay, onthewineroad.com as well. Here it is. As host of the radio show, On the Wine Road, I stumbled around the top of the volcano to record the albatrosses of those who contribute to our wine country lifestyle <laughs> in this ribbed, lacy region. There it is. Wow. Short and sweet for you, Jeff Davis. <laughs> Thank you Clever. for joining us on... Your show, which my is my show. and Lacey. Yes, your Ribbed and Lacey show. show, appearing on Judd's Napa Valley show, appearing on thewinerode.com. And I, I'm not sure how to sign off. I'm not sure whose show it is anymore. I think we ought to let Lauren do it. Lauren? It's, uh, it's Judd's Napa Valley show. Well, sign off. From the Weeky Weeky Grog Shop in the beautiful Napa Valley, this is Navy Grog Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.